Welcome back to Man to Man, hosted by me, Liam the Hoopstar Nash. Andy is out this week for the holidays, but with that, we are going to take a look back at 2021 for Man to Man, take you through some of our favorite interviews, funniest moments, conversations between Andy and I, with a glance of everything in between. But before we get into episode 92 here, I got to talk to you about WinBet Sportsbook. Bet with the best. Today's episode of Man to Man is brought to you by the official betting app, WinBet. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. And all you have to do is click the link in our description of whatever platform you are listening to. And then I'll tell you how it works right here. Deposit $1 and get up to $100 in store credit or get $1 risk-free bet up to $1,000. That means you cannot lose you know, the bowl games are coming up for college football. Got some NFL always on the TV. Just click the link in our description and sign up. Again, this is only available in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, and Tennessee. But before we get into the actual episode, we just want to thank you guys um, for all of the support that you guys have shown us. We can't, you know, we can't be here week in and week out without that. And we want to thank you for a great year two of man to man our first interview here um, is with the social media guru mikey domagala the founder of nba buzz the young 22 year old started nba buzz at the age of 12 and proceeded to get a reach over 2 million followers on all social media platforms sharing nba news highlights so without further ado let's get in to that interview his page has 2.8 million followers on Facebook. That's more than my favorite Instagram model. Come on now. Please welcome our guy, Mikey Domagala. Mikey, appreciate you coming on the show. How are things going? Andy, Liam, appreciate you having me on. I'm going to talk man to men on the Man to Man podcast. <laughs> Let's go, baby. We love it. Not man on man for the guys, you know, our friends. Oh, man on man. We're talking man to man today, baby. <laughs> Mikey, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, actually, just off rip, I just now thought about this. I mean, we know what Facebook was in its earlier stages of security and everything. I mean, did you ever have a problem with getting hacked into or any of your accounts getting? I know I did. I don't know about you. Uh -huh. but Great question. Early on, yeah, man. I mean, I started NBA Buzz on Facebook in 2012 when I was 12. And of course, you know, back <laughs> then, social media wasn't what it is now. Right. So um, the two-factor authentication wasn't there. Um the different levels of security just weren't there. Yeah. So right. one little slip up, if I, you know, bring somebody in who wants to screw me, they could. So that, <laughs> that happened a couple of times, but luckily I got through all that with, uh, you know, some, some help with Facebook and the, yeah, the yeah. local authorities, if you will. I was going to say, if I'm getting hacked into, I don't know why people want to hack into my stuff. I'll be like, somebody has got to try to hack into anyways. <laughs> don't hate, I guess don't hate the hacker, hate the code, man. I'll tell you what, I changed my Wi-Fi password to hack if you can yesterday and then today when I checked it, it said, you know, challenge accepted. So I don't know what's going on with that front. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, listen, if, if you're at the top of anything, people always want to come up that hill and try to knock you off and you just got to not right. let them go there. 
Golly, man. Come on. Anyways, we are big fans of your work and we appreciate everything that you put into it. I guess for the people that are sleeping on the wrong side of the pillow, do you mind sharing what NBA Buzz is? When did you start and all that good stuff? Yeah. So like I mentioned before, I started in 2012 on Facebook. NBA Buzz is a social media platform, of course. Um, news, stats, rumors, all unique graphic content, video across every every medium. I mean, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, getting, getting into TikTok a little, little bit um, and a bunch of other things. Just trying to grow as much as I can. Uh, trying to grow Instagram a lot more. Facebook, I have 2.8 million followers, but Instagram, I have all these athletes following me and it tracks it. Like Mark Cuban's a top follower of mine. And it just, it's just exciting and great. Facebook, who knows who's lingering in that 2.8 million. That's just, <laughs> that's why Instagram's so, so good. You could see who's following you. Like really, you could see the check marks and everything. So right. yeah, check me out. NBA buzz, all platforms. And how old are you, Mikey? I am 21 years old. You had a couple of Teddy Brewskis yet or no, my guy? Yeah, of course. Of course. Okay. Teddy happy, happy belated birthday. Happy 21st. We got, and you've been doing this for what? Seven or eight years now then? Eight years? Nine Ooh. years? Just about nine, man. All right. You hear that, Hoop? We got nine years to go, Hoop. We got nine years to go. Is this, this is year one for you guys? Started yeah, year, year one in like th- All right. Three months, three or four months. I mean, listen, I didn't get I didn't get merch to uh, for Inside Buzz until year nine. You, you guys already year one. I love it. You got you guys are doing good. D- don't worry, you guys are on the right track. Get your damn merch. Come on, man. We need some help, man. Get your damn merch. I guess it's just a grind. Basically, is what we've kind of learned to know. And you obviously been grinding for nine years now. But let's let's talk about your breakthrough. Was there a time that NBA Buzz kind of got to that step of being a big, big social media platform? Uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think other than personally in the journalism field. I have, have had breakthroughs with NBA Buzz and bringing me to different directions. But for NBA Buzz, it's more so just steady growth than like, you know, uh, really gaining growth in the beginning of the season. Then, you know, throughout the season, it would slow down a little bit. Then playoffs, boom, ramp up again. It's like the stock market, you know what I mean? Right. So then right. like the, the all-star weekend is a huge growth month. So nine years worth of that and just really growing like crazy videos going viral, uh, getting exclusive interviews and really kind of making people trust that I'm standing out different than other pages. It just kind of you know, the hard work and daily posts and everything, unique graphics have just led me there. So it's kind of just been steady. Uh, Probably like year three, though, it really started popping off to like 250,000 followers. I'm sure you guys know about uh, social media reach. Once you get, you know, a lot of people, 250,000 eyes on it, well, uh, multiplied by two, because we have two eyes, of course, you know, uh, all the, the, <laughs> the reach, the reach and stuff really just starts doing it itself. Mm-hmm. So people share and follow, then it just starts growing like wildfire as you stay consistent with it. Right. I mean, that's what we're obviously we look up to a little bit. Um, yeah. But you mentioned that you interviewed some people. We saw some interviews. Um, but before we get into that, we got to get into your Knicks. They started off pretty hot this year. You are, of course, a New York Knicks fan, correct? Yes, of course. And they didn't start off hot. They are hot. Still hot. <laughs> Still hot, hot, baby. Still hot. Yeah, but the vibes in New York, I mean, me and all my boys and the New York Times and New York Post, everybody's freaking out with these headlines about the Knicks doing so good. They had, uh, I mean, it's exciting. I mean, we were just five and three, and it's like we just won the World Series in baseball or something. <laughs> right. But, uh, yeah, the Knicks coming off a tough loss last night against OKC. 
on a back-to-back. They look like crap. I won't lie. They look like the same old Knicks, and it pissed me off. But I like the direction with Thibodeau and, you know, all the young guys. Austin Rivers, he needs more minutes, man. Just give him his shots. He's give him in the game, dude. He's going on Christmas and then on his day off, his girlfriend's getting picked. Let him get in the gym to get some more minutes out here, right? Exactly. So many young guys. You know, I'm excited. I, I love RJ. Mitch Robinson's a boss. So it's finally looking uh, – Looking up a little bit. Yeah. Well, what about Julius Randle? Uh, I guess the biggest thing we've kind of talked about on our show about Julius Randle is he's kind of bounced around, had some, you know, troubles with kind of making his imprint on the league. But this year, it looks like he started out really hot. But what, what are your, as a Knicks fan, do you like the addition of Julius Randle and how is that? Is Julius Randle an all star this year? No. <laughs> okay. And I mean, I'm he's got career I'm, highs across the board. It's not going to last, and I'll tell you why. Because, well, all right, maybe it'll last, but, you know, with the Pelicans, he'll probably put up the same numbers as he had with the Pelicans a couple years back, which was like 22, 10, and like 5, which is, I mean, that's really, really good. But the thing about Julius Randle, yeah, he started off hot, and he has swagger, but I don't know, you guys probably didn't watch the game last night. Once Thibodeau starts really not, he doesn't put the best lineups around him sometimes. And he wants to just play bully ball, get in the post, and kind of be a little clumsy. I mean, he's been hot in the beginning of the year. But last night, it kind of showed his true colors that, like, all right, he's a little sloppy. He might, He's just going to force some shots. I like the guy a lot. I like what he's doing. He just needs to hone it in. He had a few games this year, like the triple-double with 10 assists, 7 assists, 6 assists. When he plays those kind of games, everybody's involved, and the Knicks aren't just relying on his scoring. Like right. he's a focal point, but he's still sharing the ball. And that's what that's how I like when he's set up with the team. Like he's been doing that the majority of the games, but there's been like two, three games this year where, where he hasn't. So he needs to stay more team oriented, take what's coming to him. Don't just really re- require the touches. And that'll that'll maybe, you know, his numbers will be slightly less, but it'll equate to more like wins. So that's what I want to see from Randall. Let me ask you this, Mike. I guess this is a two-part question. You guys, you know, it feels like you won the World Series, but hold up now. We still got a long, long season to go. (laughs) Did you guys have high hopes coming into the season? Are you sort of surprised about the early outcome? And then I guess the second question with you were talking about other guys on that team next to Julius Randle kind of complimenting him. The younger guys, I know Liam and I have talked about, well, the reason why the Knicks aren't that good like every other single year is because the youth and the inexperience. But has R.J. Barrett, has Kevin Knox figured it out? Julius Randle kind of found his home, signed Taj Gibson. What's causing all the success? And then again, that first question is, were you guys surprised about the success that you guys are having? I mean, I'm surprised. I was surprised about the five and three, not going <laughs> to lie. But my friends make fun of me every year. So I'm always talking, oh, the Knicks, the Knicks. We got to put a, right. a nice fat, a nice fat early bet in that they're going to get the eighth seed. You know, we could pay <laughs> out big. And uh, it always doesn't happen. But you never know this year. And the reason why, like you said, Andy, is because of the young guys um Emmanuel quickly off the bench of right. course will be topping we haven't seen too much of him but he's going to be he's going to be very solid when he comes into his own Kevin Knox taking that next step dude the New York Knicks fan base was all over that kid you're not playing the same you're this Kentucky product really right. good now you're you're a piece of crap here in the league <laughs> dude everybody was on him but right. he's finally hitting his threes attacking the rim a little more so, you know, they're, they're all still young. Like, I'm older than some of these freaking kids. So, yeah. like, they're all coming into their own still. Even RJ. RJ's averaging, like, 22 this year. So, like, 
what's he going to be in three years? So maybe up to 25, 26, you, you don't know. So I like where it's going. Mitch Robinson, another young stud on the defensive end. What What about your thoughts on Obi Toppin? I haven't heard you say Obi yet, but I feel like the Knicks were kind of iffy about that one. But a guy from New York, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, I love the pick. That's who I wanted. Uh, Killian Hayes looked good. I mean, he just got injured, so it's kind of good that he stayed away from yeah, that. Yeah, tough. No. But, uh, I mean, you know, I'm not knocking him or anything. Stuff happens. <laughs> yeah. But Obi, Obi, I like a lot. Um, he's yeah. like Amari Stoudemire. Play type is there. Once he hones in his skills, he – listen, preseason, he was dunking his ass off. Excuse my language. But um, yeah. he was clumsy. He was clumsy. So mm-hmm. he's got to really hone that all in, and uh, it'll come together. My uh, my hot take of the year for the for Obi Toppin, if the Knicks oh, can finish yeah. – uh, Above five hundred this year, Obi Toppin will win Rookie of the Year. That is that is that going to be true though? Is he better than Lamelo Ball, or will that is that um, a possibility? I was thinking Rookie of the Year, but I'll tell you why he's not. Because Thibodeau loves all these guys. There's like the Knicks roster isn't that bad. Like they got some decent veterans, good young players, and there's so many of them trying to make their mark that Thibodeau just really you know shares the sugar, if you will. So Obi getting those serious minutes enough, getting breaking ground with Julius Randle in front of him. I don't see rookie of the year. I see, I don't know, maybe like 10 points a game off the bench, which isn't even bad. Let's keep them going here. You know, we're obviously rooting for other guys in the East. As long as we're ahead of you, just by a little bit, by a little bit, maybe we'll see. Well, you probably will be. You probably will be. (laughs) We always have the, the, the worst luck in the past two postseasons. We've gotten absolutely fucking cooked. Excuse my language, but... We 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 just haven't won a game at all in the playoffs. Like we're over eight in the playoffs. Yeah. New coach, new you know. You guys got a new coach too. We we as well. So we'll see what happens there. I did see you play. Uh, were you playing a pickup game in the garden? Is that what is that what happened? Or I know you got to you got to be on the garden and play some basketball, right? Yeah, dude, I'm on the Knicks, man. Yeah, <laughs> but what dude, about the pickup game? Oh, you you played a you played a pickup game there, didn't you? Yeah, I'm on the Knicks. No, I'm kidding, oh my I'm gosh, but uh. Yeah, uh, that was a couple years back for the Orange and Blue Crew playing, uh, I guess, like a mini celebrity type, you know. you. Oh, come on, he's a celebrity out here. Go, come on. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was pretty incredible, dude. Like, I used to play high school basketball. After that, I didn't touch a basketball since. And, dude, my shot just wasn't falling. Like, I was hitting yeah, everything. Right. I was hitting my layups in pregame and stuff. But on the court, like, I have it all videoed and stuff. It's just. I maybe scored like four points. It was uh, it was a little bad, but it was it was pretty cool. That's cool, man. I mean, that's awesome. We had I went to Lipscomb in high school, and then we I know it's NIT, cool. You know, no one likes NIT, but a bunch of my buddies who played college ball at Lipscomb got to play there for the NIT championship, and they were all just Snapchatting and Instagram. They're like, "This is crazy," and I'm like, "Yeah, yeah dude, I yeah. bet it is. I bet it's a surreal feeling." All right, let's let's transition a little bit, but I do want to stay in New York. You talked a little bit about high school. I guess we don't know much about your college career. It looks like you're a journalist and you do some work for Long Island University from what we can tell on your social media. Do you mind just taking us through, you know, maybe what you did in college and then how you got into the journalism career? Yeah, well, I'm still in college. I'm going into my... Uh... I keep forgetting he's still, he's 21, dude. We are old. <laughs> so uh, I'm going into my senior second semester. So I'm about to graduate. Thank you. God. Go. I just want to get out of there and start working. <laughs> Like, I just want to start working full time. But, yeah, I'm a journalism major. And, uh, you know, it really started in high school when I started working for like, well, not working, writing for the high school newspaper. Started uh, interviewing some NBA players in high school. And people really kind of caught attention to that. 
like people would be interviewing like the library teacher, the library, the uh, librarian and like uh, <laughs> the high school baseball kid. And I- I'm bringing in like the Marcus Cousins interviews and uh, give him a contract. So, yeah, I, mean, I mean, I don't want to, I'm not bragging or anything, but that's, that's when it started. That's when I really kind of fell in love more so with the interviewing aspect rather than just content. So I would do that just for print, like for websites I would work for, do work for. So then that eventually led me to Inside Buzz. You see my ESPN, the truth banner behind me. And yeah, those are my two podcasts and here's what I do. Nice. I mean, you. And it, it all, it all weaves, it all weaves together because NBA Buzz is the content what I do on a daily basis. It's free advertising for all my shows. So it's, right. it's all great. I was going to say where, like you, you mentioned you you've asked questions to like Steve Kerr. You had an interview with Reggie Miller. You mentioned Boogie Cousins, but I was just gonna ask you kind of where was like inside the buzz or inside Buzz and your journalism. Were you growing them together, or was it more of like a do this one day and then continue your your journalism on the other day, or how did the your journalism and NBA Buzz kind of grow together? Yeah, I. I mean, th- things don't stop. So I, I would just do it every all day, every day, whatever's coming up based on my schedule, whatever. If I got to edit, post on NBA Buzz, edit, stop po- uh, stop editing to post on NBA Buzz. If I got an interview coming up, whatever. So all that together. And yeah, I mean, one has grown the other because without NBA Buzz, all my like almost 3 million followers, I wouldn't be getting all these views on YouTube and like Spotify, Apple podcasts and stuff like that. So it does all fuel each other. It's also a nice little, uh, you know, it's a little easier to get guests because I have the audience and I'm going to say, all right, this is guaranteed to get at least like 50,000 views. So like, you know, come on my show with, you know, it's a nice little pitch to them. It's like an added bonus. Like, this is what I do. This is the work I do. This is also my background. This is how many people are going to see it. So I feel like that's been easier to get guests. I'm not going to lie. So yeah, everything, everything just fuels each other. I want to go back a little bit to journalism and broadcasting. Are you a broadcaster for LIU now? Is that, is that where you go to school at? Yep. So that's Long Island University. Um, LIU Post. I mean, you you guys live so far away. You might not know the island. It's like, you know. uh, I've never been in New York, so I I, I can't even. It's so good. But LIU Post is like a main school on Long Island. And there's also LIU Brooklyn. So the schools like two years ago merged to just become Long Island University. So gotcha. I'm at the Long Island campus, right? And both basketball teams, all the sports merged. So gotcha. I was doing yeah. some broadcasting on the island. Then it all merged to Brooklyn with some games at Barclays Center and whatnot, the Steinberg Wellness Center in Brooklyn, uh, downtown Brooklyn, not far from the Brooklyn Bridge. So once all that merged, they were like, yo, if you want to call basketball, you know, you're going to have to go into Brooklyn. So I'm like, all right. I mean, like some games at Barclays, yeah, like yeah. this is pretty dope. So me and my buddy, Matt Weinstein, who helps me out with some NBA buzz stuff. Um, you know, he was, uh, I was the color commentator. He was the play by play. And we just, you know, had a ton of fun going into Brooklyn, like twice a week. Man. So yeah, still doing that with uh, COVID. I'm not, but you know, still doing some broadcasting stuff. How was Barclays Center when you were, so you broadcast a couple of games there. What's that feeling like just being in a, in a big arena like that? Uh, it's awesome, but it's also kind of empty, but, yeah. uh, it was so cool because also that was, we did like two games last season there. So that was awesome. And the day 
after Kobe was there with Gianna sideline for the Nets Hawks game, I broadcasted the next morning, that morning at like 9 a.m. So wow. I'm like, oh my God. Oh, yeah. Kobe, Kobe just sat right there. Right. Like, cool. uh, eight hours before, 10 hours before. So it was, it, that's pretty cool. And then try to go cool. sniff the chair a little bit, you know, try <laughs> yeah. to take a little piece of the leather. Uh, well, maybe. No, hey, I'd do it. I kinda but, uh, you know, yeah, it's, it's pretty surreal. It's, uh, it's cool doing all that stuff. I'm, that's I'm awesome. very what a great, great interview with Mikey. Trying to stay away from hackers, knowing the daily grind is a true thing. Me and Andy have figured that out after two years of doing this. But we'll see if the Knicks can can do well this season. And we just appreciate Mikey giving us the time of day and speaking to us and kind of inspiring us to keep going with our podcast as well. But we're going to change gears a little bit for this next interview where we bring on the winner of Big Brother Season 21, Jackson Mickey. Mickey is a good friend of ours growing up. We actually got to go see him when we went out to L.A. to record at Dash this year. And we just wanted to, to rehash this interview for you guys and let you hear what he had to go through and kind of his mindset through living out in L.A. And, and being in a national spotlight. Let's get right in it with Jackson. We got a good friend joining the show today. He'd take my girlfriend if I even came close to having one. He's close acquaintances Ow. with Snoop Dogg, and he is the winner of Big Brother Season 21. <laughs> Please welcome our guy, Jackson Mickey, to the show. Mickey, what's Man. good? Dude? Long time no see. Long time no see. Thank you for the introduction. Um, Twas the kid, Andy. Man, <laughs> dude, I appreciate you. Good to see you, Liam. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's good to be in some, some company, some Tennessee boys again. It's been a while. I was going to say, go I was going to say, I was going to say, I'm glad that I can actually call him twas this episode because we got uh, somebody else that knows him by twas. I was, right? was going to say, <laughs> I, love that. I never heard for you guys listening that don't really know me. I've never heard my real name in college. Even the girls do. That's why I was in friends though. I couldn't get a girlfriend calls. People call twas me twas. Kid. I'm like. Fuck, dude. Okay. But you guys call me Twas. I'm still Twas. I got lips on my pelvis. All right, there Mick, we're going to we're gonna break it down to you. Obviously, we're excited to have you on and catch up uh, a little bit with, you know, what's going on in your life and everything else. But obviously, Big Brother, right? You're known for that. You right. are the winner of it for our non, I guess, reality TV Big Brother watchers out there. Do you mind just describing it kind of what it is? Yeah, real quick uh, rundown. This is a show, 16 people. You got eight men, eight women uh, that haven't met each other. Sometimes they have. They throw twists and turns in there. Uh, and they move them into a house. Um, and essentially, the concept is like uh, the old 1984 novel, Big Brother's Always Watching. Um, and these eight men and women are under 24-hour surveillance. Uh, audio and video, zero hiding space, toilets, showers, bedrooms, bathrooms. Sinks, kitchens, everything in between, you're under surveillance. And not only is it on cable uh, three nights a week, it's uh, it's also fed to the Internet, um, unedited, unfiltered, uh, live for the Internet to watch, courtesy of CBS All Access. So <laughs> so that's what yeah. we've learned to learn to it be as well. And it's a super cool reality show, reality TV show, um, I guess. What was the casting process like? I think that's the biggest question that we had about people going on reality TV shows because no one really yeah. talks about it. So different from other shows, I guess, Big Brother is actually a competition show. 
Um, and it's a very heavily followed, almost, uh, some would say like a, a cult base of following because like you get very invested with every episode and very invested with each person on the show. Um, and so the big brother fans are extreme, extreme big brother fans. Um, the casting process, you, there's a lot that goes into it, but the biggest thing that I could say as a whole is just be yourself. Uh, big brother fans often two times they, they they try to be a character or a person from a season before or they try and do or think they want to do what the, the creators and the producers want them to be when in reality producers want real they want you to be yourself and they want to know what they're going to get when it hits the fan on tv because it doesn't take long in that house before it gets real you right. walk into that house nothing's scripted nothing's edited nothing is is made for tv it's 16 people truly living their life under a microscope competing for half a million dollars right um so the casting process like what's your best chance of getting on be yourself be comfortable be relaxed be you and the i guarantee because there's so few people that can do that you will stand out and why big brother is there uh i don't know there are many reality tv shows out you're handsome yeah you see you on yeah, the bachelorette yeah. or something dude Man, big brother. you know yeah. it's crazy actually mentioned that that's a different story uh i I never really wanted to be on reality TV at all, um, whether it be The Bachelor, Bachelorette, or, or like uh, anything other than Amazing Race and Big Brother. Um, those are the two shows that like, no matter what was going on in life, I could always, my mom and I, regardless of what was ever going on with her and I, could hit pause and and in life and just watch the show for a little bit on the summer. You know, um, Big Brother was it. It was just a good kind of quality reality tv show that you could kind of get behind kind of senseless but it was competition based it wasn't a bunch of drama it wasn't like in terms of relationship and a bunch of uh scandals that i thought going into it little did i know uh what was gonna happen but it's uh it's a show that pretty much like uh it for me seemed the most to align with something i would do it was the only one that i'd ever really consider um i just wanted to compete to be honest and so i was out here in la looking for jobs uh trying to apply for jobs and i, I took a lunch break went on Instagram and there was this ad for uh, a big brother casting call. So I went, uh, I was the last one in line. It wasn't like a pre-planned thing. I wasn't out here trying to be on big brother, man. It literally just, I just so happened. And it happened to be the only show I considered doing. So that's why I was like, all right, whatever, I'll go over there. Um, and so I showed up in jeans, boots, and a t-shirt, man, like in LA. <laughs> the and now I say style. be yourself. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I was also hiding a lot of things too, from the producers too. So, but that's something I was good at a whole different world. But I went there and I was just in jeans boots and I was like, yeah, I don't really know what I'm doing. Uh, but I like this show. I've watched it growing up. If you want me to be on, I'd love to be on. Give me a chance kind of thing. And I got a call back the next day. Then over the course of the next few months, uh, March, April, May, they will never tell you yes. Um, but you get brought out to LA again. Or in my case, I just went a few, you know, roads over, uh, to the hotel, stayed there sequestered. Uh, for a week and that's where you go through a much more significant interview process with all the producers that's when i actually went on to uh cbs studio a lot and like got to see some of these different sets um and it was nerve-wracking but like the last one i walked in i was in front of like 30 different producers wow um and that was in uh march so for me my round of finals was in march but then they do another round in april and then another round in may so from march until june i didn't really hear much of anything and I'm sitting here trying to plan my life accordingly. They're never going to tell you yes. You don't know whether to quit your job, whether to start moving up in your job. <laughs> you don't know what to do. I just moved out here. I'm trying to make rent. Like I try to survive. Um, and then they were like, yeah, we need you to come back out to Nashville to film a few things. That was CMA Fest weekend. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that was that following Monday, uh, June night, and we had to film my intro, stuff like that, Houston, uh, and Amos, I was actually at Hunter Amoson's uh, backyard, <laughs> um, but I was filming my intro in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, we got my key revealed, and then uh, they flew me back out to LA where I was sequestered for a week. And then June 17th, over the, over the, I was June 13th was my birthday. So I had my birthday that Tuesday. Happy birthday to me. I got cast on Big Brother. Yeah, I was going to uh, say that's a nice birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And then June 17th uh, was moving day. So that's kind of the casting process for, for Big Brother. Wow. So, so you mentioned kind of your transition to L.A. Um, yeah. I know you've been open talking about a little bit, but why did you move out to L.A. in the first place? Because Nashville... Yeah is a place kind of where a lot of kids grow up and they kind of don't yeah. really leave. Like I moved out for college and now I'm going to probably move back. So mm-hmm. what was, what was that behind you moving to LA in the first place from Nashville? I grew up um, in the greater Nashville area, um, not in Franklin, um, but South of Nashville um, in Antioch for 15, 16 years and then moved to Franklin. Um, and then, once I really got into like that Franklin area and then into college, um, I just started doing things and, and living a life that like it wasn't healthy for me. Um, and by the time I was 23 and I'd skipped my college graduation to go to Miami, um, I was at a place in life where I didn't think I was going to live to see 25. And like I was in living in Nashville surrounding myself with things that were going to like make me ultimately spiral into like a pit that I couldn't get out of or might not wake up from. And like, that's a harsh reality that I I had to face um, through some things that just happened to me in life. And then it came to a point where I, I wasn't ready to leave Nashville. Um, I was supposed to take a year off from college. I was going to go to law school. Um, I was in college and prepping for pre-laws. I probably signed a major. I took the LSAT. Um, and then I had some situations in life in college where I actually, you know, I had some things come up where I had to take a year off. I couldn't apply to law school. Um, everything in that situation got settled. You know, everything was good on that because I didn't do anything wrong. But I was also just, man, 23, I realized I got to get out. So I bought a one-way ticket two weeks uh, in advance um, on June 15th. And so February 1st, I flew out there. Um and I found a month-to-month apartment. I had a couple suitcases, and and my parents both, like my mom especially, was like, "You aren't ready for this. Like, why are you leaving now? Uh, like, you're not. You have nothing in order. I have no job. I haven't applied for right. school the next year. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing with my life. But I do know that the restaurant I was working at was a good, steady flow of cash. The things I was doing and the people I was doing them with, I was." almost negatively influencing myself and others around me. Um, but I was also being so heavily negatively influenced because I was so insecure by nature, but I gave off fake confidence. You know what I mean? So it was like, it was sort of cyclical where I knew that like, not only was I hurting myself, but I had people I cared about around me that I was bringing down with me too, by my actions. Right. You know? And so like I had friends that were doing shit that they also knew where they were better than. And, and I honestly feel like it was part of my fault, you know? And so I get 23, I, I just, I had to get out. Um, and it's crazy because I remember that place in my life and I was terrified and I was so not ready to leave, um, as I'm sure maybe y'all weren't either when y'all left, but like you watch any of these clips or, you know, radio edits or these snippets from podcasts about some of these folks that are talking about, you know, you're never going to be ready in life to take a leap. You're never going to have all your ducks in a row. There's never going to be a perfect time to make these life changing decisions. If you're unhappy in life, if you want to change your life, 
there's never going to be a perfect moment to change your life. The life you're living is not the one you want. And you drastically want to change it, then you have to make that decision. It's going to be uncomfortable and it's going to be scary. And you're going to have to leave a lot of people and a lot of things behind. And so I just had to buy I had to force myself to leave because I was never going to make that change in Nashville. Yeah. You know? So my biggest question though is some might say moving from Nashville to LA, what is the real big difference? You know, why LA? It seems like those, you know, maybe some of those same influences could have still be there in LA. Yeah. If not there, more. There definitely are. If not more so. I was so I was honestly I was looking for a city. Um and I had a buddy of mine uh who's a personal trainer out here. He went to uh, Ravenwood. Um, and he was, he made that leap younger than I did mm-hmm. for a healthy reason. He's just ballsy and fucking manned up and was like, yo, I'm leaving. I'm out. Me, I was nuts tucked back in the corner. I was scared. I was like, I gotta go. But this dude, yo, he, this dude, he packed up his stuff. He left high school. He's like, I'm going to be a personal trainer. I'm going to be the, the best one in the world. Mm-hmm. And like, he's out here crushing it right now. And I remember sitting there in college and I was doing my shit in the room in a fraternity house. And I was looking at them who weren't. We were just in town from, from LA. Um, and I remember looking at them and I was like, yo, I admire y'all. I'll never forget this conversation. And they know who they are and they'll remember this one too. So I was sitting there chopping up my lines, doing my shit. And I was like, I expect the hell of y'all for, for leaving and chasing your dreams and taking that leap because I wish I could. And then one day I just did. And the reason why I picked LA was one, because he was out there and he had kind of sort of over the, over the course of the next few months after college had kind of said things and like encouraged me. And I went out to visit in LA and I went to Gold's Venice and worked out a couple of times. I was like, yo, this is no, this is it. This is a cool city. So I kind of got influenced by him a little bit. Um, and there's also this girl that I was kind of talking to, but in all honesty, there it goes. Like, there it comes well, no, out. Dude. There was, there, well, that was who I originally went out there to visit. But the thing that really attracted me was Gold's Venice. And he mm. could even attest to that. Like Gold's Venice is what sold me on LA. Uh, okay. that was my original thing was that fitness thing, that gym thing that I grew up watching Rich Piana and, and Jay Cutler and, 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 you know, Michael Hearn who <laughs> blocked me on Instagram and, and like all these different people work out at Gold's Venice, you know? And so I went out and visited the student and, and, um, actually visited her, but then went to work out with him. I like kind of was like, yo, I got to leave because I really wanted to see Gold's Venice. And, uh, and and he kind of influenced me in that direction. And she just let me stay with her over those few nights. And I was able to find like a place where I could live month to month. And I was like, okay, this is cool. Went back home and I was like, screw it. I got to go. This was like December, January. I bought my ticket and I just picked it. I was like, all right, this is it. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't have a job. I saved up those last two weeks serving, um, you know, do whatever I could to make those last few bucks and, and just left. And it was raining. So I'll never forget, man. I, I landed in LA. It was raining sideways. It's like one of the worst rainstorms in like 10 years. And, um, talking about influences, one of the first things I remember thinking was like, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> and, and I was just like, and then the second thing was like, where, where, where do I find some glow in the city? Yeah. Seriously, with that little bit of money, that was where my headspace was at. And so like when I left Nashville, it was not in a healthy headspace. Mm-hmm. When I left Nashville, I was running with demons. I was running from demons with them. And I was gonna, they, yeah, yeah. So go ahead. No, go ahead. I no, was just going to, I was just going to say, Mick, knowing you're a mother's boy as well. Um, I, I just moved to Chicago, dude, our flight, you know what I'm saying? So I, uh, it was, I definitely like understand what you're talking about and it's hard, but knowing that you had somebody out there makes it a little bit easier. Um, right. Well, that's what I, I thought. 
and I'm not going to get into it, but I ended up, it was a horribly toxic situation. Okay. Um, yeah. And what ended up being my one crutch out there got kicked out from under me um, horribly. And that is what really started my downfall. Mm-hmm. Um, when I say downfall, I mean, by March or April, uh, I had two LAPD officers at my door waking me up. Um, they thought I'd overdose on Xanax. Um, that was, that was uh, 60 milligrams of Adderall in the morning to wake up. I was an eight ball a day. And like, that was sort of the numbers I was running unhealthily. So like, I had that crutch, like, that's what I, I naively left Nashville was like, okay, I'm going to make it LA. I was going to screw it with all right. these fucking demons that I was just hiding and running from that I got always done. And then eventually, man, out here, 1800 miles away, when that one crutch, God kicked it away from me. Like I needed, I had to sort it out. And then right after that, in came big brother. And uh, quite literally, cold turkey band-aid ripped off rehab right. on national television. I was yeah. going to say, Mick, um, that's probably the next question that we had right here was, do you think that the experience, because we saw the live streams and you kind of opened up a, about it a little bit, but do you think that experience more so, more or less, helped you out in a, in a way? Man, that experience saved my life. Um and like, honestly, I look, I sort of like a spiritual ego death like a year ago, but like I look back on Big Brother and like almost look back at like a different person. Um, because like I watch it back and I see that look in my eyes and I see the things that I was kind of fighting and hiding. And like I was still very, very much struggling and conflicting with ego, insecurities and addiction. It's really good to sit down with Jackson and hear his life and his perspective going through life changes for the better. And like I said, we did get to go see him when we recorded out in L.A. at Dash Radio's headquarters. He's doing great. So it was really good to to reflect on that episode and and see where he is now and and how he got there. But we're going to stay kind of in that L.A. vibe, bringing on our next interview from this year with young hollywood jolie live we kind of separated our podcast into two types of episodes our lifestyle and then our basketball jolie live kind of sat down and not only told us about her life and and how she got where she is but also helped us with the our dating advice as young men's in our 20s what to look for what not to look for let's get right into it with jolie live we're switching things up and talking man to woman as we bring on the co-host and producer from the multimedia entertainment company, Young Hollywood, Joey Live. What's up, Joey? What's up? Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. It's like the interview is is being interviewed, how the turntables have turned. That's why I was like, I didn't know how to get ready for it, like mentally or whatever, because I was like, I don't usually do this. Like, I ask right. all the questions. <laughs> so we'll be asking you all the questions. And how are the... Uh, you said you're in LA, right? How are the UVs treating you in the Golden State right now? Oh, trust me. Anytime, I swear they like dictate my entire life. Anytime I can like bring my laptop in the sun, I'm trying to get as tan as possible. Okay, you hear that? Oops, she's in the hot girl summer mode again, and we can't do nothing Holy about it. Only hot girl summer. <laughs> it's it's like always hot girl summer in LA and Nashville. We're like raining, and then I I don't know. I got to get like a, a hop into the tanning bed before I can get out there. Come out to but, LA. Uh, 
Okay, cool. So we'll break it down to you. Um, I guess for those that are listening, what is Young Hollywood for the people that may not know? Young Hollywood is a digital entertainment industry. So we post obviously all over the internet, YouTube, TikTok, just everywhere on the internet you can find, you can find us. But we basically showcase like what's in, what's hot, what's now, and basically who's Young Hollywood. So like odds are if some, there's a breakout star, like we're talking to them, like we're giving you the information about like basically what's going on in Hollywood and all over the place. Okay. So it almost sounds like it's an MTV where the idea of like, Young Hollywood was created and ultimately grew into this popular like nation nationwide network. Yeah, so it's been around like more than 10 years. I joined like join join before like during COVID, but it's been like it's been around, you know, so right. uh, it has a really good reputation, but we're basically just yeah, showcasing what's really hot. Right okay, so it's not like a TMZ where it's just like gossip and rumors. You guys are trying to stay away from that. Yeah, we don't really dive into that. Like, we have, like, the reputation of pretty much, like, we are friends with these people. You know what I mean? Like, okay. we build really relationships and people trust us. So, Okay, cool. So, I saw you recently interviewed George Sear from the Hulu series, right? Love, Victor, and then the Martinez twins. One guy couldn't speak English, thought it was hilarious. Um, he and was then sitting I, there and we were like, yeah. uh, can someone tell him what I'm yeah it's like it's so funny and then at another point or at one point or another there's been major celebrities that have gone through this thing like Zac Efron Adam Sandler Justin Timberlake right yeah they've all been through Taylor Swift Selena Gomez before me before me I was there but yeah we've odds are we've talked to one of them so I gotta I gotta ask you then what were you doing before you became the host of Young Hollywood and then how did you become the host there was like a like interview process how'd you get the job and what were you doing beforehand yeah so beforehand so basically I started modeling when I was five so from like five to 16 I did like I shot for Vogue the cover of Newsweek Children's Place Barbie like I was modeling my whole life and then when I got to to be 16 I did a shoot with Giselle Bündchen um you know supermodel Tom Brady's wife um and that eventually got me signed with img models did that like whole thing kept modeling till i was about like 19 in new york city and then while i was doing all that like i was like i want to do something else like i want to be a personality too i didn't know i loved hosting but i loved meeting people so i created a couple shows i don't know if you remember you now like social media like og do you remember you now Uh, i i remember the name but i don't know if i like i haven't really followed it yeah right so i did you now i had a show on there like with img models like i produced and launched that and then that kind of got me like i really love talking to people and then i was on musically before tiktok was tiktok with musically you know i did that whole thing and then i dived into tiktok and i was doing shows and then basically just moved out to la i was like if i want to be a host i need to be in la new york's modeling you know la's la Right. And so I moved out here, made connections, met this like a really uh, awesome guy that gave me the intro to Young Hollywood. Um, met, they gave me a shot before like I am what I am now. <laughs> and I always would watch Young Hollywood interviews and be like, I wish that was me. Like I want to sit on the couch. Like it was a whole thing. And then I like, got the shot and I was like, oh my God, like dying before the first interview. Like just like couldn't believe it. But it was awesome. Did that couple interviews and then COVID hit. This was like the year before COVID. COVID hit and then I just kind of talked to our CEO because I was super part-time before and I was like look like I want Young Hollywood like it's I literally like is my life like I want to mm-hmm. do anything I can to keep like keep it going with figure out COVID and then 
just became more and more involved in hosting and everything. So, so you, you mentioned modeling and hosting. So what's your like dream job then? Are you, do you just want to stay with young Hollywood after young Hollywood? Are you going to, what's your, what's kind of your vision moving forward? Vision moving forward. Okay. So like a lot of people don't know this about me, but I love sports. Like I'm a huge sports person. I was a sports illustrated kid reporter when I was 10, which really got me into it. And my sister's always been obsessed with sports. So like going to sporting games. So I would love my own talk show. And I was like, dream Bay, whatever. That's so annoying. But I would love <laughs> to have my own talk show really bad. But specifically like showcasing athletes in like their personal lives versus the sport. Okay. But also like regular like TikTok. I love TikTokers. Like I love LA people. Like I haven't had really a bad experience. So I would want to do a talk show for like everybody. But specifically, like I love sports. Like so I'd love to get into sports. All right. We were talking about it. She wanted to be the next Aaron Andrews. Yeah. I love Aaron Andrews so okay. much. I love her. Maybe I love you can, her. Like, maybe you could take Doris's Doris Burke's job and, and announce yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, that's something another, like that's, that. That's another story. Okay, cool. And how can people watch Young Hollywood? I obviously like saw the last two interviews on YouTube and I think I read it's on Roku TVs and Amazon Fire Sticks, but I feel like everything is so digital now. So is it like on a television like network in LA or is how do people stream it? First, you did your research. Like you're really good. So good job there. <laughs> we try to, and, yeah, uh, we try to. Um Honestly, like my go-to source, and I'm like literally creating the content is just like YouTube, Instagram, and uh, TikTok. Because a lot of the times it'll blow up on TikTok, and people will be like, "Okay, I need to go see the full thing," and they go right to YouTube. But like Roku, we have like um, Fire Stick, like all that, and then we're hopefully doing more. But I would say if you're like really trying to look at it fast, go to Young Hollywood, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. That's like our like main where you're gonna get. Good. Gotcha. So. Yeah. I guess I'll ask this then. What is your like day to day and more like, I guess, directly, how do you decide on who to bring on next? Is it based on if they got like a new song out or they're hot right now? What's kind of your day to day? And then how do you decide to bring on guests and who they are? Totally. So basically like our, like our slogan is like, what's in, what's hot, what's now. And like you guys consume TikTok content. Like if you see someone, you're like, okay, they're low key blowing up. Like they're everywhere you know, like you want to see what they do off of TikTok. So like, we'll reach out right away and be like, look, like we love you like kind of thing. Like, right. we're, like we're into you. Like we need to like showcase you and like, we'll bring them on. So deciding wise, like we're the same as everybody else. Like we're consuming the content that you are. We just happen to showcase them even further than that. Awesome. So I think if you are good, you're trending, people want to hear from you. Like we're going to reach out. Like we want to collab. We like want to talk to you kind of thing like that. And then, for day to day, it's like eat, sleep, breathe in Hollywood, but I love it. Like I, I'm obsessed. So with that, it's just booking, like finding talent, replying to emails, booking them. If we're in person, scheduling that, getting a team together, writing questions, shooting that. Like it's all over the place just because everything's changing so fast. But I would definitely say like there's no dull moment and it's really fun. Yeah. So Andy mentioned a little earlier that, you know, you've had a bunch of famous people on. You also mentioned TikTok. You had Josh Richards, Griffin Johnson and stuff. What would you say or who would you say is your biggest guest, like fame-wise? Do you have a biggest guest? Fame-wise? I mean, a lot has changed because of COVID. Because who's famous now is not who's famous. I was interviewing, like, before. Like, everything changed. Like, everyone's famous. But, like, mm -hmm. I would say 
who I personally would think that is really big that we've had on, honestly, the Sway, like the Sway Boys, of course, like they're just like they're in. Summer Rae was pretty big just because like she has 25 million on Instagram, of course. Right. Um, but yeah, I would say in like SJ um, and Tony Lopez, they they did big numbers. So honestly, I think probably a lot right now, like the TikTokers that we've had on Josh Richards, Griffin Johnson, Summer. So then who would you say is a different of your favorite guest? Who is your favorite guest to bring on? Favorite guest. Sometimes Everyone's like listening out there. And everything. <laughs> it's funny because like my, like I'll, I call my mom after every interview and I'm like, oh my God, I love them. And she's like, you say that every time. Like you can't just like love every yeah. single person you talk to. And I know like as a, like a reporter, like you want just a name and like whatever. But I really, I haven't had a bad experience with anybody. So I would say like it's hard like i just love anybody that's come in person and zoom too of course but i just literally like any one of them because like well, who, really not bad. so who's the most relatable like to you then instead of maybe your favorite but who's like a relatable person and then what's a bad experience just so maybe we interview people all the time but i don't think we've dealt with a bad experience yet right knock on wood I would say most relatable okay jj she has 17 million on tiktok um she, I don't really know how to pronounce her last name because it's so hard because she was like, oh my God, don't pronounce my name. It's literally just JJ. But she was really re- relatable. Like she was just blunt. She was honest. I literally was obsessed with her. I loved her. We hung out afterwards. Um, and then bad experience wise, I don't know because, but I would assume like a bad experience would be like them not talking, not giving good answers, not wanting to be there. You know what I mean? Like right. if you had someone come on Zoom and they were just like, okay, what's the question? like yeah and just like not yeah i mean i guess we've had people like that in some questions or like look away and like not making on cuts like we're like okay maybe we shouldn't clip that one as the highlight reel <laughs> so okay like usually when tiktokers come or like celebrities you are on young hollywood or you're on like an interview for a reason because right. they want to know about a certain subject in the back of your mind we might not ask about it but we want to know about it just like you guys like you're going to want to talk to me about guy stuff. Like that's what that's in your mind. You want to know. So like, I'm going to get and like give you good answers, hopefully <laughs> because yeah. that's what you ultimately want to know. So it's like one of those things, like if they are open, it's their perfect. And I feel like that's a lot easier in person too, to like, you get to kind of feel the energy and the yeah. zoom is kind of just like, I right, I'm sitting in my like basement and just hanging out. Right. Yeah. Feel. So. Okay, yeah, cool. So- well, we're chatting with Jolie Live. Is that your actual last name, Live? No, it's not my actual last name. It's not? I got it because I started modeling when I was five. So uh, my mom was like, let's just give her a new last name for like a hot sec. What's and your last name? What, what, what was the last name over there? Rice. R-I-C-E. Rice. Okay, Jolie cool. Rice. Okay, okay. But we were going to get rid of that real quick. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, that's not going to be the name. That's No. All right, so we're keeping out Jolie Live. We got Jolie Live hanging out with us, co-host and producer of Young Hollywood. Uh, I tell you what isn't so Hollywood is Liam and I's game. Um, so at our age, you like how I did that? Okay, cool. At our age, people are either buying homes, getting married, or eating each other's faces off on Broadway here in Nashville, Tennessee. And so who are, we talk about the modern day dating world, getting ghosted and everything in between. So I guess we're just going to talk, we're going to dive into some topics and questions and get a female's perspective on things. All right, guys, listen up. This is the first topic here. We got dating. Um, let's see here. 
where do we start? Last week, Liam and I talked about how meeting people organically was difficult nowadays, especially with all the dating apps, right? Bumble, Tinder, Hinge, whatever you got out there, we're all using it. And so how do you meet, what would your advice be to someone who's trying to meet someone organically? Organically? First, if if you guys know, let me know, but (laughs) organically, how to meet someone, I would say, honestly, it is so hard because of COVID. So I think, do you mean like not on a dating app? Yeah, because we were at the bar yet or uh, last weekend and my boys are like making a round. I'm going to go take a lap, go to the dance floor. They come back empty handed. And I'm like, how was it? He was like, I spent a couple, you know, shots on some girls and they didn't want to talk to me after that. And some other boy was like, so how do you it's so hard to meet someone organically. And I think Liam was saying it's like it might be the venues that we're going to because we're going to like all the Broadway bars. Because I mean, I don't know your spots, but like in L.A., you know, the spots to go and you'll just go to them. Like, I don't really know post COVID world yet. Like you just know the like the right place and everything. So I think that's a huge factor. But I would think like advice for guys on how to like if you're doing this in person and you're going up and hitting some like hitting on someone at the bar or something immediately, you know, the vibe because I send the vibe immediately. I'm like, look you are going to sense that I do not want to talk to you or like I want to talk to you or I'll entertain it to see where this goes. Right. But guys, if you don't, if you get the vibe, they're not into it. Don't waste your money. Just kind of be like, this was fun and keep going. And they'll come back around if they're like, wait a second. Like I actually like, he's playing hard to get or whatever it would be. But like, how do you know the, how do you know as a, like from a guy, me going to a bar, how do I know like the mindset of the girl without, you know, really knowing like, what yeah. their intention i think are. a big part is that you just have to be attractive dude like it don't even matter if you got game or not but like i feel <laughs> like see, some girls will go to a bar knowing that night that like they are just with the girls and hanging out and not really right. looking for anything and right. then some girls on the other hand are like hey i'm going out i would like to you know meet somebody maybe possibly take it further or whatever that may be right. for the night so how do you know that going into it i from personal experience, I think if there's if you see it's a big group, then there it's girls' night, like obviously or whatever. But if it's like two or three total or whatever, go do it. They're probably there with the intentions of we'll see what happens. Like hopefully I meet a hot guy. Like whatever happens. So I think that the amount of people actually is a real thing, and how much they might be like taking selfies and on their phone. Because I think if you're doing that, you don't really like you're trying to showcase like you're having fun with the girls. Yeah, I would say, I mean, you have to talk, like you have to talk, but just read, like, read the room, dude. Like if, right. if it's the vibe is there, the vibe's there. If it's not, go hit on somebody else. Okay. It might be the shots we're buying for him. We got to stop with the tequila, maybe a lemon drop. Over <laughs> don't, hoop. don't do the drink right away. Like just feel them out first if they're worthy of the drink. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Your- okay. Cause Liam was talking about the venue and maybe if it's more of a low key, like nice ambiance place, you know. See, that's even harder, though, dude. That's like a date night yeah, bar. You like, know what I'm saying? You have to have balls to go over there. And yeah, talk. But See, if, if the girl is just, you know, maybe one or two girls are sitting at the bar by themselves, I feel like that's almost easier, at least for me, to go up and say, hey, you know, how you guys doing tonight? What do you, you know, instead of yeah. like when they're like maybe drunk or something or had a couple of drinks and they're just like at a place where it's like that's acceptable and they're just there to have a good time. I think that's almost even harder sometimes. I don't know. That could be me. Okay. What about, um, we're just going to kind of hop all over the place here, but 
So for dating wise, like I've talked to different girls and not at the same time, but like they've, I've had a girl that said, I like you, but I'm either busy, you know, I got something going on and I'm like, bullshit, dude. So it's like, (laughs) so I feel like that's something that we've also kind of like encountered, like after maybe like. I don't know, going out with somebody on a dating app or anything like that. Shout out to a girl uh, on Chicago who last weekend on, she was cool. Um, But it's just like, we just noticed that like, especially throughout COVID, like Bumble is, has been like a huge thing. And then like now that, you know, everyone's been vaccinated, hopefully go get your vaccine and everyone's just kind of going crazy. It's like, you know, post COVID there's like more people out than pre COVID uh, should guys be okay with girls not wanting to put a title on the relationship? Been there and I've been okay, on the that, other side of things. That's an absolute yes. It's literally a thing. Like it's like girls like on TikTok are uniting to have hot girl summer. And everyone has been cooped up in the house for more than a year. No one's trying to commit. Like okay. in my like opinion, I think like what I've been seeing in my friends and stuff like that, like you have not left the house for a year. Like you've been trying to use a dating app. Like you need to go live again, like live your life, live your best life. Hot girl summer. Like, I don't think any guy, a girl might be so into you, but she might not want to be like, have a label. Like you could be so into somebody or whatever, but it's like commitment is just a big thing right now. And especially for our age. So just keep, keep, just keep it chill. Like you guys do you see what happens but i don't think that it's a commit a summer of commitment at all gotcha that's what we were kind of thinking right who the hot girl summer i I mean we we can't do anything about that you can't stop us now (laughs) yeah this is very hard to stop okay cool all right well uh you got anything else on that topic no let's we can move on okay toxic relationships let's do it so uh, I'm going to let Andy take over this one. He's going to lead in because he's got firsthand experience about this one. <laughs> yeah. So I've been with two girls um, long term. I guess my first one was a high school. So I guess it didn't really count. But the second one was last year. I was with a girl in school um, and then we both moved up to Chicago at different times. She moved up there right after we graduated. I waited for wow. the summer. And then once I got to Chicago, I was still like interning around and she had everything good to go. So I was still trying to just find my niche. And I also for me, didn't want to put a title on things just because I was like, just trying to find, figure out my life, which is maybe an excuse of just trying to hook up with other girls, partially, maybe the other side now. Um, but right. then it kind of got to like, I guess where she was putting all of her happiness into me and like ditching her friends and her friends didn't like me. And then at the same time, I was just, I couldn't be happy for her and any of her successes because I wasn't happy with myself. And so we ended up parting ways because of that. But I think the biggest thing I learned out of a toxic relationship is that no one, even in the healthiest relationship should be at the mercy of their partner being in total control of their happiness. So I guess that was a big thing for me. And why I got so toxic was just because someone was putting all their energy into me and I couldn't reciprocate that back and then it was just so it just got to a bunch of arguing so have you ever been into a a toxic relationship and then when do you know I guess because I didn't realize that I was I mean I realized that I was in one but I wanted to stay in that because I didn't want to lose that person totally I mean I think that honestly like I've had like my fair share of like 
definitely toxic situations where it was just like, I know this is so bad for me, but I just love it so much kind of thing. But I think the one thing that I totally will stick with and like, just kind of like what my mom and dad have always said and how the type of person I am is that you need to have your own life and then you need to have like your partner has their own life and then you live life together because you're both comfortable in your own lives. So like a lot of things, it's like, it's not going to work out right now because of timing. And that's like so hard to understand and everything. But it's like with your situation, it sounds like she was fine and everything, but like you wanted to have a, like you wanted to be happy with yourself and your job, your career, like whatever was going on with you. So you couldn't be there for her. So which made it toxic, obviously. So I think like, that's my, my like, biggest thing for, you a, need to have your own lives like you just need to like live together and like bring those lives together but like if you are literally like living for the other person it's never going to work out like you right. need to be happy yeah. with yourself yeah because that's kind of my mantra too is like hey all right you should be happy by yourself i should be happy by myself um i should be financially stable you should be financially stable right. and because if this doesn't work out, I can't, I don't want to be able to rely on you for mm-hmm. like, you know, my financial, you know, happiness or whatever, or just happiness in general. So that's my kind of like MO on things is like, that's how, that's when you know, if it's through all that, you guys can still make it work, then that's a good, healthy relationship. Yeah. And Joey, what you were talking about is what we call a sour patch kid. So it's like that person that, you know, isn't good for you deep down, but you keep hanging out with them and hoping they're going to change. Yes, please don't go. Please don't leave. I was a sour patch kid, you know, like yeah. you eat too many of those. Your stomach just doesn't feel good. That's what I was. Right. And like, so, it's like, so good at the taste. And you're like, oh, I love sour patch so much. But then you're like, I feel like. That's what it was. And not to mention, shit, my ex just moved to Hawaii. Who She got another, she got into another relationship like a month after. And then, yeah, it probably wasn't the best. All right. So like going back to dating, like I think in the past, what was that? Almost a year and a half ago, that next six, seven months came back to Nashville, lost my job, COVID, everything else. And then I was, I guess I was um, beating myself down about the mistakes that I had made. And then I was trying to find happiness from someone else that I didn't even have to begin with, with myself. So I started trying to give the keys out to other people and was pretty much expecting them to make me happy. And I was trying to find that like one thing that my ex had into another person. And I was like, damn, dude, like I can't find it. And it was just the only thing that I couldn't find was happiness. So that's pretty much what I found. And we were just wondering if you ever been in like a toxic relationship like that. Does uh, hooking up on the first date ruin the chances of the other person really liking you? It's another question that we have. I personally don't think so. But I mean, I can only say it from my side, you would have to depend on the other person's. And also, I feel like it depends on the person, how long you've been talking, like what the vibe is and stuff like that. But I would definitely say it like it just happens on the situation, but I don't think it does. No. Is being too aggressive on the first date something? Yes. Okay. Depending like the aggression level, there's definitely a way to be too aggressive, but like it, it really depends on the situation. But I do think there's a way to be like too aggressive with it. I think there's one question though that I kind of always want to ask people, like or girls in general, is like, so there's like girls' night and there's guys' night, which we kind of touched on. <laughs> 
what is is it is it like 50 50 split between i can have 50 percent of your you know the guy's time and then you guys get 50 percent so where do we get like the middle ground of like actually hanging out together where's that line of like you know you you're always having girls night i don't really you know so what's that line is it always 50 50 or should i should the guys let the girls do more in terms of that what's what's that kind of are you thinking on- of it as in the talking stage correct kind of like just just getting to know i'm not actually title on the relationship but like i want to hang out with you and you're always you know hanging out with the girls where's that well even in the even in the toxic relationship topic like my ex ditched her friends all the time to hang out with me and so she's she ended up ruining those relationships yeah you gotta be careful because that happens like old friends like we're not really friends anymore but she would pick like hanging out with him. And I was like, dude, like you're in the talking stage, you're in the lust. That's fine. Like go do you like, I'm so happy for you that you're finding that. But like once you're past that lust lust, and it's been a few weeks or like a couple months or whatever, and we're still not hanging out because you're choosing him. Like right. you need to not do that. So I think it's communication between your, like the partner and the friends, because like you can take a like quick offense to that. But like me personally, like if I'm obsessed with you and want to hang out with you, I'm going to do everything in my power. I don't care. Like, I don't care. But it would be a point where I'm like, but I can't keep ditching my friends. But I think like for 50-50, I think it should be 50-50, like between friends and your partner, just because um, like you can't lose your life to try to have a life with someone else. Like you need to like maintain your relationships like before, during and after like the relationship. What if you what if you aren't friends like the guy isn't friends with the girl. That's what I was going to say, because yeah. you almost had to be, you almost had to be friends with the other girls to make it like a better relationship with the girl herself. Right. So you're saying like the, your person's or your partner's friends, like, are you all friends? So like for me, if you, if you know, the girl that I'm talking to or whatever, I'm not friends with her friends. Is that, uh, oh, I don't like them. Yeah, is, yeah. is that bad? Good luck. I, I, <laughs> hopefully they like you because if not, I don't. I, I don't. You're screwed. Oh, that's too funny. The friend, like if you like, she's not gonna just drop. Like it depends. But if it, that's bad, if she does. But if she just drops all her friends for you, like okay. But like, if, yeah. Don't like. Don't be a bad guy, and the friends won't hate you. You know, like you might have a weird vibe or something. I don't know. Like it, that's if, different I mean, than not liking you. Right. What if they like me and they're they're like it's okay, but I just don't like her friends. What's what's that? I feel like that might be fine. Yeah, I, you have I, to really attack them, I guess. Like just deal. You got to suck it up. But if you're getting like if you're like oh this is the one, good luck. I don't yeah, know. yeah. If it is the one who, which we all know it is, dude. We all know it you is. Gotta, you got to just work that out. Like you just have to do that with yourself. You just have to like them. Okay, cool. So last question we have in a toxic relationship is can women have guy best friends and a committed relationship and guys cannot? Okay, so yes, guy girls can absolutely have like I think it's just trust be like be these such basic answers, but like this is what I think. But basically like if you're with someone you want them to trust you, kind of thing. So make sure they trust you and like go in warning them because like I've been in a situation where I was best friends with the guy and he got a girlfriend and then the girlfriend was like you need no like you need to just not ever talk to her again and I'm like why but like I think the advice would be like if you're having trouble so like basically that girl needed to talk to me 
Like, she didn't need to just keep telling him to stop talking to me. Like, get to know the girl you feel threatened by or the guy you feel threatened by. Like, get to know them to realize they're not a bad human being. You know what I mean? That was a good interview with Jolie live. I think that's just our uh, beginner playbook. If you are a young guy, single, looking to date, take some tips, some tricks, and put them to use and see if they work for you. But before we go into this last part, I just want to say thank you guys for listening again. And we are going to leave you with an episode we recorded actually pretty recently of just staying positive, remembering people through these times and holidays, and just being positive. I think that's the message for 2022. Stay positive, and we will catch you guys next year. I have one topic I do want to mention to you. More kind of on a serious note um, that kind of came across this weekend. Actually, I spent some time yesterday. This, yeah, Saturday was yesterday. Yeah, so on Saturday this weekend. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to say it's like mental health, but because it's not really mental health. But the idea of like when something tragic happens or something, um, you know, causes you not to have something in your life anymore. If that means you broke up with somebody, you know, uh, in the real dark situation, somebody might have died or something, but you're no longer like close to that person anymore. Mm-hmm. What is the, the like, I guess I don't even know how to explain it, but what do you do in terms of trying to re- like, say you really did care about somebody or you do care about somebody in, in the situation and maybe they died or something. How do you keep mm-hmm. the memory going in terms of like, we just like, you know, send a picture out on Instagram or something or the, yeah. the, the example I want to use is like Mac Miller. Um, cause there's some stuff rumbling around in the news now about Max Miller's death and stuff like that. But like, what's going on with him? Just like who was involved and how it happened. And, you know, yeah, I think those guys, there's a big trial on that. Right. right. But that was like, came up to the, to the point of like, how do you like, he was so influential, but like all some people did like, was like say hello or like say like thank you for so much you did and post a picture and then that's it like that was his memory and just instead of like like other people like that were actually friends with them were like truly like traumatized by it like you know ariana grande like divorced her not even divorced but unengaged and stuff like that but like that example of like how do you almost like you just deal with that and then, then like cherish that memory or stuff like that yeah man um i think the cool thing about like these social media apps is that it gives you memories and from just like a personal experience i had a really cool memory of my granddad uh and us like going up there to thanksgiving uh last last year or i'm sorry two years ago and going black friday shopping so i will say that's the one thing that's cool about like memories on snapchat and things like that you save that forever but it's, i guess it depends on the kind of person that you are man if you're close to that person and if you want to share that go ahead and share that don't feel like you're sharing it to like let people feel sorry for you um fuck it dude you know what i'm saying that's how i feel you post something because you want to remember it, and then if it's on your feet or whatever then you got it on your feet i don't know if like that's 
what you're asking, but like, that's, that's what I do. If I want to remember somebody, if it's, you know, I just, I just went to a funeral a couple of weeks ago, one of our boys who we grew up with. And it's just, you just, you do that you pay your respects, but I feel like <clears throat> it's a life where we all kind of, I, I, I choose to believe that we all will see each other again. You know what I'm saying? So, um, you can pay your respects, send your condolences, send prayers, prayers out to people all the time, always wishing for good help for others. Um, but I believe that that's what I believe. So, um, I just think it's a, it's a beautiful life, man. It's a good world out there, but a lot of people make it bad, but I don't know. That's just what I, that's what I do, man. I keep memories on my phone and post if there's a death or something like that, or I go somewhere to pay, pay my respects, but, uh, Praise God, baby, gang, gang. It's real out here, dog. Yeah. I don't know if that answered it, but no, that's, that's what I'm talking about. No, that's, I mean, that's kind of what the conversation is about because, like, I don't know. This, I feel like there should be, like, more, but what else can you do in that situation? You know what I mean? But I think just, just, that's kind of just talking to people and just seeing if they're okay. Yeah. You always can do that. When I'm, when I'm texting people about this stupid ad on Thanksgiving, some people I haven't seen in years and they're hitting me back and being like, yo, dude, thank you. I'll, I, you know, I hope you're doing well. And I'm like, I genuinely hope you're doing well too. It's connections like that all the time. man. No, a lot of people in this world go through a lot of relationships and meet a lot of people and really just kind of keep your circle small, but never, you know, never out somebody for not being in your circle. So yeah. I think you always just kind of wishing the best for everybody and, and hoping everybody can do a couple pushups in the meantime. <laughs> I get that. Kiss somebody on the cheek. You know, you're always hoping for somebody to be happy. That's what I said to my couple of my boys too, man. We just we just want people to be happy out there. I really am happy to see my friends happy in relationships and things like that. And that's all that matters. If they're happy, I'm happy for them. I'm genuinely happy. I might unfollow you on Instagram. You know, I'm kidding. You know, I'll do that shit if I don't know somebody. I follow a lot of people on Instagram. But uh, I like to see people happy, man, and that's all that matters, man. Yeah, that's, that's really all that matters. I, I mean, I, it's pretty much my feeling as well. You just gotta make sure you stay positive and and don't ever like assume somebody's like acting a certain way because you don't know what they're thinking or what they're dealing with that right now. And that's kind of, you know, just just be positive towards people. That's my biggest thing that I realized too. So. We always preach that. Yeah. We always just like stay positive, man. No matter what you're doing, everybody's going through something, man. Something's got somebody's got a you know a terrible, more terrible life than I do right now, yeah. and so I'm thankful for that, man. I really am. That's another thing about both of us. We're pretty much, for the most part, very like upbeat and positive people. Like, in, like when you see, you know, me, I might not be the loudest or outspoken, but I'm always like a positive person. I'm never like taking a negative and looking at it and you're always kind of you're you're the same way in terms of like outspoken kind of the opposite of me but you're just always positive as well so yeah you are beautiful brother i, I want you to know that i love you man <laughs> i really do man i really do now nah, i love you man i appreciate you bringing that up man I love all y'all out there yeah. man we appreciate the support and, uh you guys keep us going man uh, i think that was good dude. that was good man Let's end it off in a good way. Yeah, stay positive out there. But with that, 
episode 89 our lifestyle we ain't got a title yet but we'll you know you're looking at the title right now we'll think of something good for you guys but if you don't have anything else i'm a namaste these fools out of here go namaste and we appreciate you namaste to you namaste Yeah, we had the house party staying after hours for real, ballin' for real. Got a baddie on my left and my ex calling for real. And I'ma roll the dice, get some modeling for real. We tryna have some fun, so is you wildin' for real? So what like is you wildin'? Baby girl, I'm ballin'. Pong ballin' my left and on my right, these labels callin'. Me and all my brothers shoot confetti, yeah, we wildin'. Right to it, baby, no, he is not styling Walked in dirty rooms, smell like cigarettes Not know it's the night that I might forget So I'ma shoot that ball with my eyes closed Yeah, chase the money, yeah, we sing it loud They ain't no